Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to Episode 8, Season 4 of This Spiritual Fix. Today we are talking about the art of war and how you can use it in your spiritual life to change the stories. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wiltsy. Hello, Anna. Hey, Christina Wiltsy Land. <laughs> I love it. I come into Anna's house last night and and her kids are like, it's Christina Wiltsy Land. <laughs> they made a comic book about visiting Wiltsy Land, Christina Wiltsy Land. Yeah. They love you. I absolutely love being loved by your kids. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> my kids have the same, my kids don't quite have like the same, like, w- you know, way of expressing it, but they, they're always like, are you talking to Anna? Are you talking to Anna right now? It's like, yeah. Yeah. So what do we have in store? What We have a request of our listeners, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we actually have a request for you, dear listener. If you've listened to the Primal Wound series, we really want your feedback. We want you to send us an email and just give us a little story of like how those episodes have changed your life or what insights you've gotten from it. Or we just want personal stories because we're going to do another series on the Primal Wounds, but we want to actually share stories from our listeners and we will keep it anonymous. In fact, I'll put a link in the show notes to a way that you can anonymously submit your story if you're worried that your story is tied to an email and we can identify you or something. So there's going to be a link in the show notes if you want an anonymous entry. Otherwise, just email us at this.spiritual.fix at gmail.com and share us your primal wound story. You can find us on Instagram as well at this spiritual fix. And you can even leave us a voice memo there if you want. Like that might be easier for you. You can even email us a voice memo and let us know if we're allowed to air it on the show or not. So we will value your confidentiality. But if you want it to be a soundbite that we plan an episode, just let us know that that's okay with you. So yeah, because Christina and I, We've been like hesitant to do another Primal Wound series because of just how deep that work is, but we found it really come up more when we're doing the internal family systems. So we want to revisit it from like this new perspective of IFS and what we've learned since then. The first time we did the Primal Wound series, incorporating drama triangle stuff and and just we've gotten... We've gotten hundreds of emails and comments and DMs from people about those episodes. And so we just kind of want to share them with other listeners. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is absolutely, I'm, I'm really excited about it because I feel like y'all help fuel us in a lot of the things that we do, like getting your feedback and like hearing that things you know, the shifts that have happened in your life or like feeling as if you found a tribe of people who like think like you or like have put things together in the same way. And so, you know, y'all are such a crucial part of what we do here. Like I always feel like the audience and everything that we've learned and especially like those who've reached out to us are always like kind of in the room and like have become like the audience that I, I like embody and think about whenever we're recording. And so like being able to pull you guys actively in is, is really exciting. Yeah. We'd love to let you have your turn to be on the show in a way. Yeah, exactly. 
So what are we talking about, Christina, and how did we come to this topic? <laughs> you should explain how we came to this topic. <laughs> All right. So I was I was in Google Sheets making the spreadsheet for this season and like what episode is coming on what date and when. And I was having a conversation with, believe it or not, Archangel Michael, because he is the, the manager of the show. He's like, okay, this episode should come before this one, da 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 da, da. And then we got to today's episode and I said what should this be he's like Christina's gonna lead it and it's called the art of war and I was like really he goes yep I was like okay I don't know what that means and I don't know how this ties into the season theme and I don't even understand like I haven't read the book I've just heard of that book I was like I don't know if this is a reference to the book or whatever so I texted Christina I said hey um I don't know if this makes any sense to you but AM wants you to record an episode called The Art of War. Do you know what to do with this? And then what did you say? At the time, I was like, I think I know what to do with that. And then I didn't write down that insight at all. So basically, when I came to coming here and I like had a couple of episodes that I could get together, I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And then I was like... And then I was worried because I was like, well, maybe I misunderstood him. (laughs) But the amazing thing is, is that like... It was, I mean, I think it's one of those things where for me, my intuition works best when people ask me a question in a lot of ways, right? Because I can respond and like very, very much so pinpoint what it is that they, they need. Right. And so it's like, it's like a very, it's like a very effective trigger for me to be like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. So like you being like the art of war, I'm like, sure, let's do this. Let's figure out like what it is that, that wants to come through the podcast right now into the world. The amazing part about this guy is just like to add a little bit of extra magic before we get into it is that Eric and his husband is, is like for years, he's been quoting parts of this book to me whenever we talk. Oh, really? And I didn't even realize it. Like, because for him, he knows it so well and he's kind of like embodied it so well in everything that he does that like, we were supposed to record this episode last night and I was just like, I can't do it. And so after we recorded, like we, Eric was upstairs and I like started talking to him and he just like gave me so much insight into how to like really pull all this together. Yeah, we even asked him to be a guest on the show. He's like, nope, my podcast days are over. (laughs) Yeah, but I, so I'm going to shout out right now to Eric Stromquist to say thank you so much. Um, And hopefully your genius can kind of come through what I'm talking about. (laughs) today my little love bug (laughs) so for those of you who uh are you know I'm going to kind of give you an overview quickly of kind of what we're going to be talking about to help kind of navigate the way because um one of the things that we talk about with we talk a lot about kind of bigger philosophies of like what are we here for what is the purpose of life things along those lines and when I came to this episode I was like I I was really kind of going into this question of like who is the enemy right so if we if we kind of see if we kind of contextualize our entire lives as like a war and we're on a spiritual path right so using again the question of like what is the art of war in our life then you know, who's the, who's, who's the enemy that we're talking about, right? Well, it reminds me of that Buddhist quote from the Dhammapada where he says, the man who has conquered a thousand men in battle is not as powerful or as wise or as triumphant or something as he who has triumphed over the enemy in his own mind. Right, exactly. So ultimately we're kind of coming to that, but I kind of wanted to do a little bit of tours of religions and be like, what does everybody think the enemy is, oh, right? Okay, cool. So, so we're going to do a little tour of, first we're going to talk Around about- the world. <laughs> first we're going to talk about how the art of war, some of the really salient points of like how the art of war kind of shows up in our everyday life, right? How we're, how like so many companies have embodied this when it comes to marketing. So many, you could say- campaigns by governments to be able to like kind of get everybody behind a, a movement or a campaign or something along those lines have how we we see the art of war almost everywhere right and i wouldn't say anything more than where we see it is in religion okay. right in a lot of ways and like how religions are kind of set up to help us to get behind them okay right to to effectively enforce a form of discipline 
on its followers so that the, the, the followers stay with them, right? And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing that there is kind of, you know, a massive uptick in the number of, at least in the United States, the, the stats for non-denominational spirituality are just skyrocketing. Cool. Right. That people are, it was, it was just below majority a couple of years ago. And I think it surpassed it at this point. Okay. Um, which is massive. I'm actually going to check myself on that right now. They're telling me to check myself that that's not exactly true. I'm going to put it in the show notes, exactly what the stats are for non-denominational spirituality. Okay. But I definitely want to say that it skyrocketed recently because people are in droves basically coming off of religion and coming in and saying, I want to find my own way. Right. right? Which is a shift from the patriarchy to the matriarchy. That's right. And so it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. (laughs) You should have sung it. (laughs) It's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. We're just going to become a singing podcast from now on. Singing, the singing, crying podcast. Singing, crying podcast. So, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to kind of go into what, could be the enemy if we had an enemy, right? In sense of like, what what is it that we are actually struggling against? What is it that we're actually resisting? Which is when we're going to go into the second half and we're going to talk about projections. Okay. Okay. So to start with The Art of War, which is by Sun Tzu, and I know that there are multiple pronunciations of that, and I'm going to say Sun Tzu. And the Art of War has been a book that if you go onto Amazon, I, I genuinely believe that there are thousands. I was trying to get the exact number of the number of books that are derivatives of this book. Really? Oh my God. It's just like, and I, and I was, the I art was, of war for women, the art of war da, da. for spirituality, the art of war for whatever. And like, it's actually sometimes hard to even get a direct translation because everybody's put their own spin on it. Wow. Right. They're always talking about their own story about like, this is how this works and this is how this works. So when I went on to Hoopla, which is one of my main sources for getting books um, from the library, if you don't have it and you patronize your uh, local library because they're amazing if you live in a place where they have local libraries and yeah. give you access to digital resources like this. Free bo- ebooks and free audiobooks. Exactly. And so it's just, it's all pervasive. And so if I were to summarize kind of the key points that we see of the art of war in our daily lives, right? One of the, one of the key things is know when to fight and know when not to fight, right? So, so don't fight when you're dysregulated. So don't, um, don't fight when you're that's dysregulated. That's the one I'm trying yeah. to learn. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it's all about, it's all about like, um, how are you, you know, how are you able to recognize that like there's a time to fight and there's a time to not fight and the wisdom comes in a leader who is able to recognize when the time to fight and when the time not to fight is. Okay. Right. Pick your battles. Classic. Classic art of war. Like Pick when your are, battles. does it say like when are good times to fight? Uh, it does. It talks a lot in detail about it, which I won't go into today. And so if somebody gets interested in this, then they definitely should, but it definitely has a lot to do with like you need to recognize that there are a number of different influences that are going to determine whether or not you should actually fight. And those, in kind of summary, are, are you the right kind of leader who's going to be able to like get into the situation? You have to look at the battleground, right? You have to look at the outside forces that are affecting whatever's going on. So an example of that in, in modern day military history is, you know, anytime anyone goes to Russia, right? Anytime a military goes to Russia, the scorched earth campaign, I don't know if it's actually a campaign, but the scorched earth experience is when they basically burnt every single one of the resources in Russia as armies march into it. It's happened multiple times that Russia has basically burnt every single thing. And it's like winter in Russia and there's no resources for the army to basically pillage in order to add to its march. And the Russians do that at the expense of their own people? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it kills it, it, it basically has led to not a single effective invasion of Russia in the last God knows how long it is. It's always Russia going elsewhere. So, which obviously so they we will are seeing at the moment. Their own people to prevent their other armies from being right, able to Right, because it doesn't have any natural boundaries, basically. It doesn't have, it doesn't have anything stopping it from, there's no, there's no like mountain range. There's no nothing. So if you get into the, everything that's going on right now with, Ukraine there's a lot of information about like why strategically Russia would have done this 
in terms of wanting to protect itself basically and, and like garnering the strength in the last 30 years since the fall of the Soviet Union to basically do this. So not I I'm going to go away from that, but basically battleground outside forces are all things that you need to assess and be like, okay, is it winter? And I'm not going to be able to supply my army and therefore they're going to be weak and I'm not going to be able to do anything. Right. How that then translates to outside of military strategy. I think I know. Yes. Go. Well, if we go back to the episode 4.04, when Jay Fields discussed dysregulation, like for me, if I'm thinking about having a battle, I should ask myself, am I regulated or dysregulated? Mm -hmm. If I'm dysregulated, I probably shouldn't fight. Because I probably don't have my wits in. I probably need to ask, have I, in like in terms of battleground, like have I eaten today? Like, do I have fuel in my mm-hmm. body? Have I slept well? I would probably look at my luteal phases and just see like where am I in my cycle? Like, do I do I have the mental strength to attack? Right, and also integrity and leadership is massive in this, right? In terms of needing the integrity and the leadership. So when you're applying a military strategy to your own life, if you're needing to go and, 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 and create a boundary or you're needing to, to express your feelings in it, being hurt, you need to make sure you're self-led. So using, going back to IFS, like if you're going to be part led when you're going into battle, which is dysregulation, which is effectively dysregulation. That's a, yeah, exactly. Then, then you're not going in with the integrity that you need to, to really, right. If you're self-led, you're going to be a really good and fair leader. Yeah. You're going to be a fair leader in the situation. So so using those things, you can see how we're, you know, pulling other things. So, so quickly to kind of go into the other two aspects of, of the art of war, um, know how to deceive the enemy. So appear weak when you are strong um, and you, strong when like you are how weak. How would I do that? Well, so this is, this is we're going to go into the middle ground right okay. now. So between the self-war that we experience or the interrelational experiences that we have on a daily basis of conflict and kind of military strategy. This is when you kind of get into like, we're going to go into like the religious experience right now. Right. So it's a bit harder with the no, um, you know, know how to deceive the enemy, but a lot of it is misdirection, right. Is basically saying everyone paying attention to this. And if you pay attention to this, then you're not going to pay attention to this. I mean, how many times have you heard people be like, Hey, everybody's talking about the Kardashians right now. And they're actually passing this massive thing in government that's taking away people's freedoms. Right. Right. Or like Trump was very strategic about like passing something and then like posting a very provocative Twitter exactly. thing. That's it. Tweet. Right. So it's all about, it's all about misdirecting and deceiving to basically say, pay attention to this and we're just going to get this through. Right. Oh God, I do that with my kids so much. I want them mm-hmm. to come downstairs to get mm-hmm. ready for school and I'll be like, you got to see what I caught in the cockroach trap. She did that this morning. It was hilarious. <laughs> I was just like, I know what she's doing. She's misdirecting. <laughs> she's, and I do it all the time too. Oh yeah. Right? Like when my son hates accepting medicine, he does not want medicine in any way, shape or form. And yes, you could call it a bribe, but then there's often times when I make it a game and try and like deceive oh, yeah. to what I'm actually doing. Monday morning is the hardest day of the week to get my kids out of bed and dress for the school bus. And then like Sunday night, I actually think, do I have new gummy vitamins? Do I have something like new and unique for breakfast? Like I come up with some way to misdirect them. Yeah. <laughs> get them down the stairs because it's a war. Yep. Yep. And so, and then another key thing is like knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your own abilities, right? Which is kind of an obvious one in which it's like, it's not necessarily know thyself, but let me. Oh, um, but no, you might not know because I know that when I'm dysregulated or, you know, in a super PMDD state, I think I have it in me to have like a civil conversation with someone and I don't. Yep. Yep. No, that's it. Exactly. Also, one of the ones that Eric and I were talking about a lot too is this idea of, of you, need to, you need to avoid battle as much as possible. So try and win the battle before you even have to actually take up arms. Can right? you explain that better? Yeah. So basically imagine that you are, this, is, this goes again back to that middle ground of apparent reality with religion and things like that. It's like using information and misdirection and all these different things so that you don't even have to fight the fight. Right. So if you use misdirection, then you're avoiding direct conflict. Right. So and so and if someone doesn't pay attention to something, if you're able to direct misdirect everybody to pay attention to something else, you completely avoid the battle. 
Yeah. Right? You know, it reminds me, I took a master class on master class called mm-hmm. The Art of Negotiation. And mm-hmm. he is a, like the guy who teaches it is a world-renowned terrorist negotiator. And he talks all about how if you can actually get exactly what you want from someone without negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as somebody knows that they're negotiating, they're going to go into a role. Right. So he does it by asking a lot of questions, just asking a lot of questions to get them to kind of see your point of view and reason with you. Right. So when I say that this is all pervasive, the art of war is all pervasive. It is literally being used in almost every arena of your life. And, you know, I, I use that as kind of the foundation for which we're going to go forward when, you know, I'm going to bring up this last point right now, which is that the, the, the quote is, or the summary that people say is winners make the rules and losers follow the rules, right? Winners and losers. I'm going to change that language really quickly, but basically the people who have power make the rules and the people who, who basically relinquish power, right? Follow the rules. And this is why, this is why this is really important. And I'm just going to say to the listeners right now, I love you. And I, I, (laughs) I love you guys. Please accept me. Even if I'm going to say maybe possibly bad things about the religion that you came from. (laughs) But if you're listening to the podcast, then there's a chance. We've already weeded out the ones who, (laughs) (laughs) what I'm trying to say is there's another way than what we, than what we are, are coming from. So, so this question then is if, if we're in the art of the war all the time and we're seeing it everywhere that we go and everybody is creating an enemy, whether it's an enemy that you're trying to overcome because you're a marketer and you want everybody to pay attention to what you're doing, right? You want everyone to pay attention. And so you're trying to overcome the enemy of inattention or the enemy of too many stimulants, stim, you know, like there's not enough attention being paid to your product being the best, right? You're, you're thinking of everything as this battle, right? So in religion... In religion, what we're seeing is that religions are businesses, y'all. Like they need to be supported by everything that's going on. They are obviously also, um, uh, there's a foundation in a dogma and a doctrine and rules that we have been handed down from from generation to generation to generation through a book, through a um, particular theology, through a particular sect of a particular theology. All of those things have been passed down and passed down and passed down and what we have now is a kind of a very strict set of rules to follow that we need to be able to kind of recognize that that is a very patriarchal system. So, you know, at TSF, we don't necessarily claim to be making a new set of rules, but we're encouraging y'all to make a new set of rules, right? When it comes to how you believe in your spirituality. So I'm just going to, we're just going to go into storyland really quickly here um, and kind of go into these different religions, right? So who is the enemy? I'm going to, I'm going to ask that question for the kind of major religions that we have. And we know like who is the enemy, right? So off the bat, Anna, who would you say the enemy in Buddhism is? In Buddhism, the enemy would be the ego. Right. Or ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ignorance, craving, aversion, and ego. Right. And what you find when you get into the holy book. So when you get into Islam, Judaism, Christianity, is you have this story, right? When you go get into those, you have this story. And you have this story that says, okay, God created the earth and the heavens and then created man as a perfect in the image of God. And then God put everybody into a garden and was like, hey, have fun, except for don't have fun over there. Right. Which is like the ultimate marshmallow test, y'all. Let's be honest. We talked about that in a previous episode. It's like, don't go over there. Maybe not marshmallow test, but like the the self-regulation of like, can you exist everywhere and be totally happy and not go to the one thing that we're forbidding you to go to? Right. So obviously that didn't work out well. And then that's when we had the original sin. So the concept of sin is born from basically doing the one thing that you were forbidden to do. Right. And, and, and the concept of sin being now I know all of what I know myself, right. Which is the tree of knowledge. Now I know myself and I know what I'm capable of from the worst possible things to the best possible things and everything in between. Right. And in that discovery, it opens up a whole world of sin and rules that we're supposed to follow. Right. So 10 commandments come down from on high 
that are like, hey guys, these are your moral rules that you have to abide by. And you're always this, and the enemy is, is you who could sin, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The sin, the sinning side of you is the enemy. Exactly. Or the devil, which actually tempts you to sin, tempts you to sin. Right. So basically you are given a human body and then you're told, guess what? You can do anything you want with this human body, but you're going to be punished if you do this section of being a human. Right. And everyone's going to have a different interpretation of what the fuck that is. So it's sexual misconduct. What does sexual misconduct mean? Can you tell me what sexual misconduct is in any of, in, in like Judaism? Oh God. In Judaism? Well, I don't know. In the ultra Orthodox, it would be touching any one of the opposite sex, you know, Shomer Nagia. Yeah. That's not your spouse. Yeah. But she, she's menstruating. You can't touch her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's ultra Orthodox. I mean, I guess sexual misconduct in general would be rape, sexual harassment. Yeah. But it's, it's varying, right? So basically, it's, it's creating a rule set that is completely up to the interpretation of whomever the prophet is or whomever mm-hmm. the thing is or whatever it is, right? And so you have slightly different versions of this. Obviously, in Islam, Islam is, has the tavid, right? It has the true monotheism, which basically says that it is, it is so, so, the faith is so based on the idea that there is one God and nothing can be held against that. And they are very open about the fact that money and social status can act as forms of idolatry, right? Like if you're thinking that money is more important than God or your social standing is more important than God, then that is a form of not following your faith, right? We always talk about, I mean, we've talked about in the past about the... the Maybe Congress needs to be Islamic. Right. <laughs> I'd, I'd love that you just said that <laughs> just because, I mean, how many, I mean, if you want to talk about the war of information and like trying to be thinking like Sharia law is like the thing that has been the, the shiny object that people have said, you know, that, that they've mobilized American culture to be against ever since September 11th. Right. So the fact that you said that is, I love that. <laughs> it's like the opposite of what everyone, you know, well, that, Sharia law is fundamentalism, but true Islam is actually very, very loving and yes. peacekeeping. Yes, yeah. exactly. What I'm saying is like the extreme version of that is a perfect example of trying to control people towards a certain outcome, mm-hmm. right? To say that this is the enemy, guys. Everyone, this is the enemy. Look, look, look at the enemy. And then we're going to do Slide all these things hand. because of it. Methinks thou dost protest too much. Yes. So, you know, the thing is, is that Judaism has basically anything that goes against the will of God, right? Which is then translated into, into heavenly law or, or the, the, the laws of God, right? Which is in a lot of places, the 10 commandments. When you get into Christianity, you have Catholicism, which still has the seven deadly sins, right? As a thing. And you're in the, and you have to atone for those sins by basically confessing, right? So going into the catechism and in Judaism, you have Yom Kippur, right? Where you're atoning for your sins and in Protestantism, it's more about accepting Jesus into your heart because Jesus died for your sins. So Jesus is absolving you of your sins, but you still have to do something in order to be absolved of your sins, right? So the theme here is that in every single case, you are not worthy right now, right? Like every single case, you are a sinning person. I overheard a conversation at a coffee house in my town the other day, which was just the perfect fucking setup for this. And it was two men, it was two older white men, and they were having a conversation about their faith. And the thing that I overheard them say was, well, you know, when it comes to sin, we're, we're all sinning beings. We all have to deal with our own sin. Like we, we all have to, to, to deal with the fact that we will sin all the time. And you know, it's not our job to judge whether or not somebody else is sinning and someone else will go to hell. And for me, it was this weird, I've had these two different feelings listening to that. Cause I was just like, on the one hand, I was like, well, fuck this is like watching a kid be like, oh, we can both have the bread. You know what I mean? Like it felt kind of like almost like, yes, of course. Whatever made you think that you could judge somebody else and whether or not they're going to hell because you're trying to be Christ-like and yet you're, ju- you know, you're, you're coming now to the conclusion. Like in some ways I was proud they were coming to that conclusions. In other ways I was completely dismayed that they were only just now coming to that conclusion or that was even a point of topic, 
right? Because Jesus did not judge any fucking buddy, right? And if you're accepting Jesus in your heart and your work is to become more Christ-like, then, then should the first thing you do not be to judge somebody else and whether or not they're sinning and not judge yourself as to whether or not you're sinning because your sins have been absolved, right? You're trying to be a good person, but that's not the determinant of whether or not you're going to go to hell or not or whether or not somebody else is. You can tell I'm very worked up about this. <laughs> but, but moving on, you know, I think the kind of point that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, religion always creates an enemy and that enemy is within us. It is our humanity to experience the fullness of life. And yet they're basically saying this area is not good. And there's a lot of reasons for it, right? So do not harm others is a totally legit thing. And right. What does Buddhism say about do not harm, um, harm others and why you shouldn't harm others of your mind? Oh yeah, you are the first victim of your own desire to harm others because you couldn't even get to the point of thinking about harming someone without experiencing deep agitation inside your own mind. Right. So the basic idea is that for so long, we have been told a set of rules that has told us what we're not allowed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, to- it's telling us about the enemy. It's telling us about the devils that exist. It's telling about the temptation to sin. It's talking, it's all about, it's all about how we're, we're given the, the capacity to sin, but we're not allowed to. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that if we're going to art, art of war, the art of war that's been given to us for fucking millennia, as we're doing when we're switching from patriarchal to matriarchal spirituality, why don't we try and shift the rules a little bit and kind of figure out if we have to have an enemy, what is it? Right? And that's when we get into projections. Okay, projections. Okay. So this is a this is this is one interpretation. You guys can take this or leave this. When I was channeling this and kind of like being like, hey, Archangel Michael, Raphael, Uriel, all the people I talk to, not just angels, but but my higher self, I was like, yo, what are what if there has to be an enemy, what is it? What would you be your instinct about? I mean, I kind of primed you a little bit. <laughs> like if you had to like come up with what you think, like it, with everything that we have in TSF, like what is the enemy? The enemy is, is either resistance or separation. Right, right. So I would completely agree with you. And if I were to try and, and kind of resistance and separation, like try and find the like analogous thing of where that all comes from, I would say stories. Okay. So stories, stories. Yeah. Right. Because stories are the stories we tell ourselves. is, you know, if you, if you go to the course in miracles and the course in miracles, the enemy is like the egoic mind because the egoic mind wants us to believe that we're separate from God. Mm-hmm. Right. If you go into even Hinduism, like the the enemy is this is obviously much more complex than what i'm saying but like the you know the enemy can be the illusion right which is the story that Uh we tell ourselves it's the maya it's the story that we tell ourselves right as to how we are where we are what we're doing whether it's good or bad we're judging it constantly like that is everything right right like in those few moments when you have no story and you're literally just present in the moment accepting reality as it is Right. It's heaven. Exactly. So if, if the heaven is to accept the world as it is, with no judgment, with no story sitting on top of it, right, and really see it as it is, then, then the, the, the hindrance to that, if you want to change the word from enemy, the hindrance to that is the story that sits on top of that, that stops us from seeing mm-hmm. reality as it is. Oh, he hurt me. Oh, this is too hot. This is too cold. Da, 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 da. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so a very important part of stories is projections. All right. I would say that basically projections are the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that others tell that are basically projected into the world. Right. So imagine that that a story is like a script that you've written in your head or a script that you're following that someone else has given you. Right. Like that's the story. And the projection is that script made live on a movie that's being projected into the world. Okay. So you kind of see how it's like a, it's almost like the projections, like an evolution 
of like externalizing and allowing it to affect your behavior, allowing it to affect everything. Right. Stories still affect your behavior, but the projection is kind of the, the amplified version of the stories in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that I, I've kind of come up with what I've, I, I channeled a list of like what it is that, how we can identify the, the projections in our life, will, which will help define it a little bit. So I would say that number one, projections are stories that you identify with that form a whole package, right? Like they have, they have, they're succinct, right? So for me, a great projection of my past is I was mistreated and therefore I developed all these maladaptive behaviors and and that's why I would always leave relationships and jobs when I was in my 20s, right? It's a simplification. It's an oversimplification of, it's a number of different stories that's kind of put into this nice neat package and it's put out into the world. So what, so number two in kind of identifying projections is that they're usually pixelated is what I would call, right? They're, they're kind of two dimensional, right? They're very neat packages of, well, my mother was a narcissist and that's it, period. Well, you know, it's funny because I know a few friends that have told me, I know I have this wound, or I know I have this maladaptive coping behavior, or I know I have this, you know, attachment wound, but I had a perfect childhood. Like, you don't know how many friends have told me, I can't figure out where it comes from, and they're not able to fix it. They're, like, stuck in a plateau because they don't have a story. Yeah. And I I think sometimes, and not to say we're blessed, but in some ways, in a weird way, we're kind of blessed to be able to say, well, this trauma happened to me in my childhood because I have a story now to explain why I am the way I am now. And when I work on that trauma and forgive it, I see huge changes in my life. Whereas these people who have no story because their story is my childhood was perfect, they have no knots to untie and and therefore they're actually stuck being knotted up. Right, right, which is so which is so fascinating, right? Because their story doesn't allow for doesn't allow for unpacking of that. Yeah, right? like the story in a way, although it might be bad, is a way of being a gift because you can that's dismantle it. the story. That's it. So that's where we're going to get to in the end of this, oh, okay, right? Which sorry. is how we change the rules. No, that, but you've gone directly to the point, right? Which is that like stories run us, but they can we can also run them. Mm-hmm. We can use them to our advantage. So other other things. Like I said, you can tie it up nicely in a bow. So it's usually very succinct and it has a beginning and a middle of an end or it has a cause and it has an enemy. It almost always has a fucking enemy, y'all. Like there's, <laughs> there's almost, always drama there's triangle. Almost, yeah, there's almost always a drama triangle, right? Because <laughs> Usually the, you're the victim. Right. I was, actually, I was actually saying that today. I was like, I was saying that to Erica. I was like, do you think that the Ten Commandments are just people's advice for staying out of the drama triangle? And he's like, yeah, that may be the case, you know, but it was, it was funny because it was, you know, we were trying to like kind of relate it back. Projections can, can be people. They can be identities that you have. So I am a teacher. I am a executive. I am a psychic. I am a whatever. And they can also be opinions and beliefs, right? So they can be, they can be kind of any n- number of different things because stories make up the entire world. So they can be whatever you want them to be. An example of making it a person is the example of being going home for, for a holiday, Right. So you go home for, you know, whatever Thanksgiving Thanksgiving or Jewish high holiday or a, you know, whatever it is. And you have been doing a ton of self work and you're like, I'm so I'm going to go back and I'm going to just bust out of all those things. But you have a place in your family that has been projected. Right. You have the middle child who is a little bit quirky, but is always in line and kind of always shows up late to everything. That's the projection that your family has of you. And if you show up as something else, you're going to have to work really fucking hard and probably like do something crazy in order to be able to break that projection, right? So you're either going to do one of two things. You're either going to fall directly into the projection because it's the path of least resistance is just to fall into the projection and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Or you're going to get super pissed and flip the table because you're just like, why don't you guys see me who has who I am right now? Right? Yes. And then they'll just be like, why are you being such a troublemaker? Right? You know, it's, it's, it's a projections as people are, I would say, I feel like they're, they can be really, really destructive, right? Because they don't allow us to see people as they are. All of these projections can be very destructive because they don't allow us to see the world as it is, right? They're, they're convenient, right? And I've also noticed is if you step out of line... Your, it's almost like your family that beats themselves with a certain stick. If you step out of line, they quickly hand you the stick and they're saying, beat yourself, beat yourself, why aren't you? 
Yeah. And, and you have to consciously be like, I'm not beating myself with the same stick that we've been beating each other with. Yeah. I don't know if that's I making sense. No, that makes perfect sense, right? But, because but your family will, your family or, you know, your friends or I guess whatever dynamic you, you are in, when you changed your role and their projection has to shift, they're going to rush to try to get you to go back to your old habits. They're going to hand you that stick and ask yeah. you to beat yourself with it. Yep. No, that's it. And that's what happens is that we are told something enough as kids and then we internalize it and we become our own parents in that way. So kind of quickly going through the rest of this, you know, um, usually with projections, you can talk to them and hear them is what I think is really funny. So like if you're having an argument with someone in your head, you're having an argument with a projection of them, right? Like, have you ever had an argument in your head with somebody yeah. or in a situation or something like that? That's not them. That is the projection of them. Right. Right. Um, or a situation like anything along those lines. That's how you can know. Um, basically it's an old script is what you can say. It prevents you from seeing reality as it is. Anything that prevents you from seeing reality as it is, anything that does not allow for change because they're usually quite static, that's a really kind of hallmark of what these projections are. Right. And the thing is, is that ultimately projections keep you small. Stories as they are, old stories, old projections usually keep you small. They keep you um, familiar and unchanging. And so how do we art of war our spirituality with projections, right? If projections are the ultimate and stories are what keeps us are the small, ultimate enemy? if they're the ultimate enemy, right? So whether in, you're in the course of miracles or you're in Hinduism and you're saying it's the Maya, it's the illusion, it's the, it's the world that we've created, or you're just stuck in a, in a, you're stuck being small. You're stuck being, you, you want to be big. You know, you can be big. I can, I talk to people all the time. They're just like, I want to be big all the time. They're like, I talk to you and I feel big. And then I go back into my life and I'm fucking small again. It's because the life is filled with small projections and small stories that Lots are keeping you sore. Lots of sticks to beat yourself with, right? Lots of, I mean, you can call them habits. You can call them, you know, ingrained behaviors, whatever it is. So the power y'all, the power that comes into this is using is is becoming the leader, right? Is becoming as having the integrity and making a new set of rules, which means making a new set of of stories, right? And this is this is what this one of the exercises that Eric um, suggested last night was. He gave me a great example of this. Of like, say you're stuck in a story that says I am broke, right? We've given you guys so many different ways of how you can attract us. We just talked about existential kink, right? And how you can, you can, you well, you can use the, I am broke thing to find the part of you that gets off on being broke and loves the humiliation of being broke or the humiliation of not asking your boss for a raise. And you can get off on it. You can find the part of yourself that actually wants it to exist because it is existing Yep. and and basically derive pleasure from that part that wants it to happen. And then you're using pleasure then to dissolve your resistance to it. Because if you're breaking down your resistance to that story, which is, I want to be, I don't want to be broke. And then you're saying, well, actually I enjoy being broke and I love being broke. You've now dissolved the story of, I don't want to be broke. And when you dissolve that story of, I don't want what is, it no longer has such a like noose around your neck mm -hmm. because you've, you're just, you've dissolved it with pleasure and you've dissolved it with truth, which is that there's a part of you that enjoys it. Right. Yep. Am I making that's, it, that's exactly it. And so then you then have the freedom to say, well, I get off on being humiliated, but nevertheless, you know, I'm going to go ask for that raise or I am going to go find that job that I want. I really want. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. And so or you can say, using the example of IFS, really, like with IFS, you know, we're, we're talking about a method that allows you to not see yourself as the bad thing you do, right? That's all IFS is effectively, right? It's not, I mean, it's a lot of things, but, you know, internal family system says, I'm an asshole when I'm with my family, but that is not me right? It allows you to change the stories. All of these fucking processes that we're giving y'all is allowing you to give yourself another option for a story, right? It's allowing you to say, I mean, we haven't even gotten into like some of the stuff that, that I can do with dowsing and that I've done with my teacher with dowsing, which is literally going and changing the past, right? Like actually trying to go and change the past. Like we're going far out there, but that's, these are all methods for changing these stories that are ingrained and that keep us small. And so one of the exercises that Eric was talking about and telling me about last night was just this, this thing of like, create as many stories as you can for I am broke, right? Create, create the comedy 
for I am broke. Like imagine writing a screenplay around you being broke and how it's like a fucking comedy and it's like the most hilarious thing ever, right? And then you create the drama, right? And then you create the tragedy, right? And then you create the romance. And then you create all these different stories and by enumerating all of these different stories, you break out of it. It's like, it's like, it, it, it loses its hold and legitimacy. Because whatever story you really are telling yourself now becomes not as powerful. Right. It becomes ridiculous. It becomes washed away with all the other stories. Right. And then you just start to realize that, okay, maybe I don't have any hold on, you know, and this can be scary because as you start to release your stories, you're like, what is real? I mean, and that's the thing is that that's why I feel like doing work in which you're recognizing the self, the self doesn't ever disappear when you get rid of the stories. The self doesn't disappear when you, when you relinquish the parts of their jobs. The self doesn't disappear, you know, in any of these circumstances, right? It, it, it can morph and it can change, but like when you lose the story, it may feel like if you're getting really deep into it, it may feel like you're losing an identity or using something that, but what you're doing is, you know, make sure that you have, a really a core that you can come back to right because the work of dismantling stories is massive right it is it is it is in some ways the work right buddhism talks about stories as sensation right and how you're, you're you stop identifying with the stories right because the story comes up which is a, 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 a sensation that then has an emotion attached to it and then has something like that but you're not going to be attached to it you're going to be equanimous about it so you know the work of saying what is the art of war in our life is like, it's about recognizing that ultimately the enemy is not, is, is nothing that is external to us. It is our own belief in the stories that we have. And if we want to change and shift the rules of how we're living our life, we change and shift the, the stories that support those rules. And we, and we expand our life by looking at it at that level. All right, so if our ultimate enemy is actually the projections and stories we create that lock us into suffering, yep. um, lock us into resistance to the flow of life and self-love and all that jazz and, and the now yep. and acceptance of all that is, how do the art of war strategies kind of help us with that? Yes, no, that's great. So what, what I'm going to come down to when it comes back to the art of war is what are the principal considerations of the leader right okay. of like a good leader right because that's what so effectively you're doing of the self like what what is what is the self doing that's allowing us to come into the experience of of what is the battle of of releasing stories that keep us can small I make, can i say one thing real quick absolutely will everybody listening to this right now pause whatever you're doing and allow your true self to step forward and really listen to this yep Ask every other part to unblend. Ask all the parts to just step aside and let the true self hear this. Okay. Okay. So number one is having integrity. And that is allowing yourself to recognize. And integrity means recognizing when the parts have started to lead. Right? So allowing the self to lead. Allowing the self to to really come forward and, and, and live in the integrity of saying that this is me allowing the self to come forward and lead the process, right? Because that covers the idea of having the integrity. Having the integrity is having the self lead. And if the parts listening can be like, okay, I do have my wants and needs, but the bigger picture is we want to be a self-led system. Let's let the self take over. That's the way the parts can have integrity. That's it. And the self naturally is a natural born leader. The self is, is it takes care of, of like number two, which would be leadership, like making sure that you're actually leading everything. The self is completely equipped to be the leader, right? right? And if it's not, then it's probably a part. And then the second is to look at outside forces, basically to look at the projections that sit around you, or excuse me, the third is the outside forces is to look at the projections that exist that are being projected onto you, right? To look at, to look at what it is in your world that is limiting Right. What it is and what stories are, are keeping you small, starting at that level. Or what sticks are people handing you to beat yourself with? Right. And what have you internalized? What projections have you internalized? What stories have you internalized that things need to stay the way that mm -hmm. they are? You know, I can't masturbate because it's a sin or because it's self-indulgent. Right. I can't start wearing sexy clothes because all my life I've dressed in this certain way and I can't suddenly just change. I can't be a psychic. I can't call myself psychic because people are going to say I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I can't call myself an artist because I don't make money from it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, God, we could fucking talk for the, the, the end of time. Mm -hmm. Wait, wait, just, just what are like two projections you think that really hold you back? I would say that I am, I cannot separate myself from who I have been, right? Which is the hatred of the past self, Mm -hmm. right? That I'm bound by who I have been is one of the main stories. And I think one of the other main stories is that life is something to be, um, scared of or feared. Like, like it's, it's short. It's, it's, you know, like my rational mind holds on to that so much. I know in my big self that that's not the case, but my mm-hmm. rational minds hold on so much to like, it's all going to end. It's all going to end tomorrow. Like you never know when it's going to end. It's all unpredictable. Those are probably my two main stories. Like your two main enemies really. Yeah. What about you? I think one is Anna's never satisfied. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's like subset stories to that. Like Anna complains. Anna's always searching for the next fix. Um, she's never like happy for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that story. Um, I think another story is the one I've been telling myself, but I feel like I'm coming out of it with IFS, which is that, you know, my PMDD, like... I'm guaranteed to be miserable every month yep. and turn into a horrible person every month. Yep. And I think I'm helping, I'm like coming out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as Eric and I said last night, what's the first story? I am. What's the second story? You are. Right. And so, you know, understanding the outside forces and the inside forces that are, are affecting who you are and where you are coming into, into where this is like being able to identify those stories and who, who your enemies are. Right. And then, you know, and then ultimately the battleground is, is key in this, in terms of the last thing we talk about regulation and we talk about like putting yourself in a safe place, putting yourself in a place where, where you have support, where you have your Sangha, where you have your community, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. making sure that you're doing this in a place where you, if you, if you get far out and you feel like you've lost touch with quote unquote reality, which is what we would call consensual reality, right. As opposed to non-consensual reality, right. Like consensual reality being like, we all agree that this is the room and the room looks like this. If you start to lose that, making sure that you're in a battleground that's safe, right. Like, you know, that, that, and, and I say safe, but that's the only language I have to basically say, you know, making sure that you're in a place where you can anchor in your body if that's what if that's what your path is to do mm-hmm. so so yeah cool this is a great episode yeah i uh, look forward to re-listening to it <laughs> <laughs> we always joke that when when i lead an episode sometimes people need to re-listen to it i want to just remind everyone listening that if you do have a primal wound story if you have a story that unraveled by listening to our podcast in season one, we would love to hear it. Send us an audio file. If you want it heard on air, send us an email or look in the show notes for an anonymous way to submit that story. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, y'all. We do hope that you enjoyed this episode of This Spiritual Fix. If you are interested in submitting your stories, go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com, where you can find the form to input your stories. We would love to hear. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done.